Hello and welcome back to Basic Bible 102. I'm Margie Smith and I am leading you through the New Testament, the life of Christ for Basic Bible 102. And today's lesson, lesson 18, is on Jesus and his relationship with women. Now, up until this point, we've seen Jesus interact with women, treating them really pretty well. But you remember last week, the Canaanite woman that wanted her daughter healed, and she just kept bugging Jesus, and Jesus was resistant. But his resistance, as we figured out, was more about the fact that she was not a Jew than the fact that she was a woman. Now, women in this culture, as you probably have heard, and is still the same in some cultures, were really more like property. They couldn't own property. They uh, couldn't decide who they were going to marry. Um, most of the things that uh, women went through at that time, I mean, they weren't allowed to worship with the, uh, the men in the temple. And so we were seeing a very different um, look at women than what we might see today in our more modern cultures. But even today, we see that sometimes women are given kind of a lesser role to play in work situations, in churches, in uh, different uh, cultural settings. So um, this isn't totally unheard of for us. We can relate a little bit. But for Jesus, he did not treat women any differently than he did men. In fact, if anything, he was more compassionate and more understanding of women than the men of his time. Okay, so let's begin with Mark chapter 1, and we're going to look down in uh, verse 29. And it says, As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Remember, these are some of his disciples. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. So why do you think she got up and just immediately started serving them? More than likely, she was just so grateful that she felt better. But in addition, she, it was typically in a household like that, the women would prepare the food and, and then come and serve the men. And so she was also fulfilling her, what she felt was her role. And as with anyone, if you have someone coming over to your house and you want to um, entertain them, provide them with something to drink, whatever, but you don't feel good, it's very frustrating. So this woman, when she finally feels good and can get up, she's very grateful. And uh, Jesus uh, lets her do what she loves to do, which is serve. Okay, turn back to uh, Mark 5, uh, verse 21 through 43. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus. Okay, remember, synagogue rulers, not, the, not real fond of Jesus. And yet this man came. And seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. Right, this probably took quite a bit for this uh, Jairus to come to Jesus. But, you know, when you're in a desperate situation, even the things you know are going to get you in trouble or the things that you know are not, uh, you know, you're going to be criticized for believing in or whatever, you will go and, and grab onto any opportunity to help the person you love. And so here's what's happening. Jarius is, um, he knows about Jesus, he's heard of the healings, and he's begging him to come help. 
A large crowd followed and pressed around him. All right, so it's a very busy day. Um, and the woman in the crowd is a woman who uh, has been sick for a long time. In fact, let's read it. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. Right? Remember, women were considered unclean, just like lepers kind of, when they were bleeding. So there was definitely a stigma that you didn't touch a woman during that time. Um, she had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. All right, so she's had hope that she would get better and went to these doctors and, and spent all her money, and it just didn't do any good. She was just getting worse. So, you know, sometimes there are situations where, you know, we just keep hoping that this will get through this and it will be better. And yet, it's not God's time or purpose yet to heal uh, heal that person. So it goes on. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. All right, that's pretty amazing, isn't it? That she just thought, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. That, that took some faith. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she had been um, she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out of him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, "Who touched my clothes?" Now the disciples are like, "Well, there's a million people around you, really, Jesus." <laughs> so, but but here, once again, um, he asked, "Who touched me?" But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, and told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Instead of reprimanding her, as he might have done, or, um, and I'm sure that's what she was afraid of, there was a sense of, oh no, I've been found out. And I'm sure there was great fear, uh, even before she touched him, she was a bit afraid, I bet. But she was desperate. And so she just thought, well, it's worth a try. But not just a try. She really believed that if she touched Jesus' garment, she would be healed. And she was. So let's look at Jesus' response. Instead of being angry with her, he is uh, affirming to her and telling her uh in fact, he calls her daughter, you know, almost as if his, she's a close family member. Uh, and he says, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. This is something Jesus loved to do. He loved to take care of his people, his um, those who were in need, those who were suffering, the poor, the downcast. These are the ones Jesus sought and uh, encouraged and then um, helped. All right, so while Jesus was still speaking, some men from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler, came and said, Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? So, in other words, it's too late. Ignoring what they said, Jesus told the synagogue ruler, Don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue ruler, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly, and he went in and said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. So they made fun of Jesus as if, 
you know, they couldn't tell what a dead body was. And after he put them all out, so I told him, okay, y'all get out of here. Uh, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kuam, which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and walked around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. All right, so why would Jesus not want everybody to know that, especially the people that had mocked him and said, it's too late and and laughed at him? Uh, But he didn't. He, He was not there for the praise of man. He was there to do God's Uh, bidding until his time to return to heaven. And so when he tells uh, the family members, you know, don't tell anybody about this. But of course they do because they can't keep from telling people about it. So already we've seen that Jesus has taken care of two women within just the space of uh, a few hours, maybe not even that. Now, this isn't the only time that we see Jesus raise people from the dead. And so we'll look at another one in just a moment. But first, turn to Luke 7. Okay, beginning with verse 11. Soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd were along with him. And as he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, Don't cry. When he went up and touched the coffin, and those carrying it stood still, he said, Young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. Why would this have been so important, do you think, for this woman? We already know she's a widow. And this is her only son, and she has no one else to take care of her. So remember what I mentioned at the beginning of this lesson, that women couldn't own property. They didn't really have any rights. Uh, She would become a beggar on the street because there was no one else who would care for her. So when Jesus heals her son, she he is giving her life. See how he said, don't cry. He cared about her. There was compassion towards this woman. All right, continuing on, they say, They were all filled with awe and praised God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. This news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country. So Jesus, once again, is becoming very um, well known, and mostly because of the miracles. But even his attitude, his love towards people, is obvious and kind of countercultural. In this same chapter, down in verse 36, we will see another woman who might not have been quite so, uh, I guess, worthy, we might say. Now, one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, and so he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. Then a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. She brought an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair and kissed them and poured perfume on them. So she is showing this kindness toward Jesus. But remember, she's a sinful woman. And everybody else is looking at her thinking, how dare you touch our our, uh, 
prophet, our great teacher. When the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who was touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two men owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him five hundred denarii and the other fifty. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he canceled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt canceled. And of course that is true. Jesus saw that this woman was in great need, and uh, he forgave her. He gave her a new purpose in life, a new reason to um, stand and be a follower of Christ. And from what we understand from here on, she does become a follower of Christ. Um, the fact that the Pharisees were so horrified at this, remember, they have spent most of their life avoiding sin, any appearance of sin, and would certainly not have endorsed this woman any way, shape, or form. In fact, another incident that happens with a sinful woman occurs back in John chapter 8, and we'll just start at the beginning. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, and at dawn he appeared again in the temple courts, where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commands us to stone such a woman. Now what do you say? Could you see that they've set Jesus up here? Because either he has to disagree with Moses or and have the woman stoned, which is not part of his why he's there. He's there to show compassion and love and forgiveness. And so, um, but he manages to handle it in about the best way we can imagine. Um, they were using this question as a trap for him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. And when they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, If any of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. All right, so it's the same old thing. As we have a great tendency to judge others when we don't want to be judged ourselves. And so here the Pharisees are finding a way to trap Jesus, and yet they can't argue with the truth of what Jesus uh, is telling them. You know, if you're without sin, you just go right ahead, because no one is without sin, and they knew that. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the oldest one first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. He gave this woman a second chance. He gave her forgiveness. Um, though she deserved death, he pardoned her. And that becomes the picture of Jesus when he is dying on the cross as the pardon, as the one who's paying the price for all of our sin. In your homework, you were looking at John 11, and this was the story of Lazarus, the, his, a good friend of Jesus, who is uh, sick and then he dies. And they send for Jesus, and Jesus doesn't get there in time before Lazarus dies. And so his two sisters, Mary and Martha, who Jesus has also become close to, 
are so distraught and they can't believe that Jesus didn't come because Jesus could have made it in time. It's just that he delayed. We don't really know why he delayed, but more than likely it is because he wanted to prove that he was uh, Lord over life and death. When he finally gets there, the two sisters respond very differently. One comes out and is just so upset and said, if you'd been here, he wouldn't have died. And she's weeping and just doesn't understand it. And and yet even now, they uh, Martha believes that Jesus can uh, do a miracle here. And of course he does. Uh, when he sees Mary crying, Jesus starts to cry too. So we see that he has a lot of compassion. He cares about our suffering and especially has a soft place in his heart for women because he understands they're really the underdogs in this world. And uh, he he sees that without the, her brother, uh, these two women will become just like the widow who was about to lose her son, whose son had died, and then he, he brought the son back from the dead. Here again, we will see that Jesus goes out to the tomb and says, Lazarus, come out. And everybody's astonished and they're thinking, wait a minute, he's been dead for three days. You really don't want him to come out of that tomb. But Jesus just goes ahead and calls him and Lazarus comes out of the tomb. So we see that once again, Jesus really is Lord over uh, life and death and that he um, cares about the things we care about. His compassion, you know, his crying with Mary, is, was a way to share in her sorrow. And because we know that Jesus was known as a man of sorrows, we can see that he understood suffering. He understood great loss. These two women, Mary and Martha, like I said, have become great friends of his. In fact, at the beginning, he encourages Martha to come and sit and listen to him teach, even though women were not allowed to learn, not allowed to go to school, weren't allowed to read, learn to read. And yet he, Mary sits down at his feet and begins to listen. And Martha's kind of upset about it and says, well, don't you want my sister to come help me? And Jesus says, no, Mary has chosen the, the better thing. And so um, we see that he cares about women. He cares about them learning. He cares about them growing in their faith. Um, and so from the beginning, from the time he and, and Lazarus first became friends, um, he cared about those sisters as if they were his own sisters. All right, so we've seen today that Jesus has great love for women. As far as we know, uh, he was never uh, intimate with a woman. He was never married. Um, he greatly loved his own mother, and it grieved him so much when he had to go to the cross uh, knowing what was uh, what his mom was going to have to go through. And yet he followed the will of the Lord through all of this, when it would have been so much easier to have just said, let's just skip this, God. But he couldn't skip it, because if he had, none of us would have been able to be worthy of heaven. So um, remember that in the early church, which we'll see in a few uh, when we get into the second module of Basic Bible 102, we see that the early church cared for the widows. They cared for women. They put them in a whole different 
realm of importance than women had ever known before. And we just see a continuing of that through the ages as Jesus is able to work in the lives of men and women and bring about an understanding of forgiveness, compassion, and um, that everybody's important. Everybody matters. I hope you've seen from today's lesson that uh, Jesus' attitude towards women was not one of to put them down in any way or to put them in their place. It was always one of lifting them up and of caring for them and providing for them. For next week's lesson, we are going to learn how Jesus finally begins to reveal himself as the Messiah. Up until this point, do you remember how he's always said, don't talk about it, just keep it all quiet. But eventually, the time has come for him to go and become the sacrifice for all sin. And so he has to reveal who he is, the Messiah. And he reveals this mostly to his most inner circle, his disciples. So for next week, if you want to read Matthew 8, Mark 4, Luke 8, Matthew 14, Mark 6, John 6, and it goes on. So if you'll just go to the website, you'll get all of those passages. And if you're doing the lessons, your target scripture will be Matthew 21, 18 through 22. Thank you for listening to this podcast and for staying with it. I hope that you're getting a lot out of it and seeing Jesus for who he was, that you're seeing how he related to people and how he loved people. So until next time, be blessed.